I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What did you learn? What did you learn from the Lord this week? Directly. Directly. From, from, uh, from God's mouth to your ears. Because I'm a pastor on purpose. I became a pastor, not on accident, on purpose. And, I, and it's a very, very specific purpose that I have, which is woven uniquely into the vision and character of this specific church. And here's what that is. I want you, I want you to seek, find, and love truth without me, Bruce, or your favorite YouTube pastor. Amen. That's what I want. That's, what, that's my dream for you. So as that guy, I got to ask, did you seek this week? Were you up to the task to ask? Did you knock on the rock? Did you? Because God said, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me. With, when? You will, you will seek me and, okay, I can't read. Uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Right? I sure didn't hear a lot of your pastor in there. That's you. So, did you seek this week? How much did you seek? If you had to, if you had to put a number on it, what percentage of your heart is dedicated to seeking? Just answer to yourself. Now, remember though, if that number is really low, you know, don't be distracted by guilt. Because that, right there, that guilt, that's a trick of the enemy. Jesus came to free us with truth, not to put us into further bondage. That is not how it works. We are all guilty, right? A low number just means that you're honest, too. You're already guilty. That doesn't change anything. Paul said there is no one righteous, not even one. There you go. But thankfully, for believers, we're all forgiven. We know that. We are all forgiven. So if you didn't seek this week one way or another, in some, some fashion, if you allowed the, the demands of life to dictate or derail you, all you should be doing right now is asking yourself, why? Why? Why did that happen? Why did you take that bait? I mean, God has made men like fish in the sea. And the wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. Uh-oh, wrong, wrong line. So what's keeping you from getting hooked on God's line? Maybe it's, not enough, uh, maybe it's not enough fear of God or love for God, right? And that sounds bad. It sounds awful that we're not fearing or loving him enough, but it's actually really common because it happens whenever, every single time we, we fear or love anything more than God. 
You know, and we can just do it like that. We don't even know that we have, but every time we do, that's what, it's not enough. It's out of whack. Something's wrong. But the good news is our freedom in Christ allows us to look truth right in the eyes and examine ourselves guilt-free so that we can see whose line is it anyway. <laughs> right? That's what, we're, that's what we need to find out. And then, once we know that, what needs to be transformed? How do we need to change? Remember this. This is an important truth. This, is a, this should be the narrative over your life and everything that you do all the time. Remember that you are in an alliance with God and simultaneously a battle with the enemy. That is, that is always happening. That never stops. He's always with you. The enemy's on the other side. And you need to act like it. Act like you know that and trust that. Which means you need to ask, and it will be given to you. You need to seek, and you will find. You need to knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. That's kind of how it works. It's a call and response thing, you know? It's always been up to you how into him you are. Period. So just take the bait, right? Take the right bait. Don't take that foe's bait. Well, hang on, because it is. It is pretty easy for us fish to get tangled up down here, right? It can be a little bit tricky. For instance, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Great, straightforward, pretty, pretty easy to understand. And yet, he also said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Okay, so if he's the door, why is he knocking? I thought he am the door. That's what it said. Well, it turns out, it turns out there's another door for him to enter by. Have you ever been told that you make a better door than a window? Well, it turns out that that's true. It turns out that that's true, you do. Because you're a door too. We're in a world full of doors. And, and, and you, you personally, have to open your heart to his door. Because this is how it works. As, as he enters our heart, we enter his kingdom. Okay, and that's when, as Jesus mysteriously said, you, are in me and I am in you. Makes perfect sense. But I mean, stop right there for just a second because that sounds fairly simple the way that we just walked through it. But we are actually resolving a very, a really profound paradox right there. You know, just hearing I am in you and you are in me, that's, that doesn't compute until we actually do what we were supposed to do through simple, loving listening. That's all it took. Let him finish his thought, and then all of a sudden it just makes sense. It just feels simple, though, right? When we do it the right way. And, and as we enter his kingdom, we must enter his word. They go hand in hand, because as we enter his word, his word enters us. And when that happens, it fills us, and it transforms us into his image. By the renewing of our mind with his word, bump, by bump, by bump, right? That's the process that we are talking about. And this process right here, that we have been talking about, that tugboat pushing our tankers, right? 
always leads us back to the key, the singular key to, to understanding absolutely everything. And here it is, are you ready? His word is perfect. Simple. I didn't hear any gasps. I didn't hear anybody flip out because that seems natural, right? That is a very bold thing to say, believe it or not, in the day and age that we're living in. But his word is perfect. But I have no problem saying it. As a matter of fact, it says so itself. It says his way is perfect, right? And, and, and the word of the Lord is right and true. The word of the Lord is right and true. Can't spell it out any more than that, right? Well, no, every word of God is flawless for anybody else who had questions. That's it. Every word of God is flawless. Has to be. It has to be. You know why? You know why. Because you're only as good as your word, right? And he makes that pretty clear too when he says, the word was with God and the word was God, right? That's, couldn't get any clearer than that. If, if God's word isn't perfect, then God cannot be trusted. That's how that works. There's just no real way around that. Trust me, I have looked. I have tried to make that true, but it's just not. My earlier, earlier life, I looked real hard for that, and it's, it's just not there. They, those are mutually exclusive. If his word is not perfect, then God cannot be trusted. And it's because of that truth, because of that, that the Bible is under attack like never before, online and in the media. Of course, that's, that's, that's the spot that you would attack, because if you can say that it's not true, then he ain't God. So the enemy is methodically tearing into it to tear it apart. I mean, boy, give them something for like getting into that word to say where you're wrong, but they're in the word for the wrong reasons. To try and find something that doesn't exist, which is a, you know, an argument against itself. It's just gonna keep proving it out. And that's, boy, isn't that beautiful how God just like tricks you no matter what to getting into that word and say, well, see what I can do. That's a bet that we should all take. But they tear into it to try and tear it apart in this like misguided attempt to try and discredit God's word and destroy his reputation. Good luck. But I, I, I get it. And that's why there's an all out assault on the gospels specifically. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's been going on for a while. It's been going on for pretty much since they came out, I guess you could say. Because they are, the gospels are the proof. They are the proof that Jesus is the son of God who came as a man and died as a lamb and rose again. That's the good news. And that's the story that's in the Gospels. And because of that, the Gospels are public enemy number one for atheists. That's the linchpin, they gotta go after it. And I get it. Because these atheists whose camp I spent a lot of time in, I was in that camp as a youngster, they have tons and tons of YouTube videos and slick websites, really, really well put together stuff. Some of it not so well put together, sorry. Sorry, that guy. Uh, really, really good stuff. Pointing out seemingly endless gospel contradictions. They do, they have some amazing websites that just, oh, by the sheer magnitude of what they've put together, you just go, I, I assume you're right because I, I can't spend that kind of time. You're, you, you're the smart one, I'll just let it be. And there's no God. Oh, they're dead, wrong. Check their work. 
because God cannot and does not have any secret weakness. He doesn't, he's God. The Gospels themselves, therefore, believe it or not, are flawless. They are flawless, and I know, I get to know this because I have seen it myself. So don't deceive yourself. And maybe we should listen to wisdom herself, who says in Proverbs, listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. Right? But, sorry to report, we have checked for ourselves and found how little we actually listen. Ready for this? Nowadays, nearly, nearly every seminary teaches as fact that the four Gospels conflict in a way that is impossible to perfectly, flawlessly harmonize. And unfortunately, I can, I can attest to that because I've seen it myself. As a matter of fact, here is my first, this is my first uh, New Testament class textbook. All right, this is what I've got, brand new. I'm going to go to school and learn all about it, and I can't wait to hear all the wonderful, encouraging things that they have to say and teach me so that I can grow and become the pastor who's just can't wait to lead. Okay, hold on. Prior to the 17th century, the Gospels were widely believed to be inspired by God and therefore true and binding for all people. Remember that? Back when we used to believe that. What? Prior to the 17th century? Oh, well, yeah, because as, as, as Wikipedia casually points out also, look, among modern academics, attempts to construct a single story have largely been abandoned. That's not how they work. They're not like true, true. Like they're a true story. Is that where we're at? Yep. And Bart Ehrman, New York Times best-selling author and distinguished professor of religious studies at UNC Chapel Hill, explains this to us in his book, Jesus Interrupted, where he says, he says, oh, he says, uh, the, the approach taken to the Bible in almost all Protestant and now Catholic mainline seminaries is what is called the historical critical method. Sure is, I remember it. To the student's surprise, they learn what historical critics have established on the basis of centuries of research. The Bible is filled with discrepancies, many of them irreconcilable contradictions. And so, Pastors are, as a rule, reluctant to teach what they learned about the Bible in seminary. Well, I sure am. You better believe it. Because if they're right, God's wrong, and I quit. That's how, that's how this works, guys. But this right here, this, is, this idea, this is why hundreds of self-contradicting harmonies have been produced and published by obviously flawed humans. Each of them arguing, arguing. First problem with, <laughs> you know you don't have it if it's just ongoing argument, right? Truth just doesn't, truth settles arguments, it doesn't start them, right? Each arguing that their methodology should be trusted when there's a discrepancy in the biblical narratives. They say, I got the answer for that. And then they get to use all of the time, all of that extra time that they saved not listening to God to work on justifying messes like this, okay? This right here, this is a piece of Sunday's simple and straightforward story of the miraculous catch that we went through last week, 
when Jesus tells Peter to push out into deeper water and then he nearly sinks the boat with fish, right? Simple. Did you guys catch that miracle last week where we just told a story and we didn't have to argue about it? That's a pretty big miracle. But take a look at the wrench in the scriptures when, when flawed, flawed human harmonies try to tell the story. Okay, because right here, look, Matt and Mark, all right, good for them. Matt and Mark uh, are on the same page clearly concerning the, the story of Jesus calling them to become fishers of men. The blue shows those identical details. That's pretty straightforward, okay? But, uh-oh, looks like Luke lost his mind. What are you doing, Luke? We were all on the same page. Well, the yellow right here shows contradicting details. If it's part of that story, the, the fishers. In fact, the only thing, the only thing that, that, uh, that, he's, that, that Luke's agreeing with right here the blue in his that goes with this story is, as Jesus, sons of Zebedee, and followed him. <laughs> Sounds like the same story to me, right? Are you serious? How could you even, how? I don't know. He misses these things. He misses so many details so badly. It's like he's telling a whole different story. <laughs> what if? But... Now, this, this particular fish story is used to recklessly condemn God's word as hopelessly contradictory. Yeah, you're, you're right, guys. Look at how bad they get it. The Bible can't tell its own story, so no thanks. Well, thanks, Bart Jesus interrupted airman. These guys, these guys point out several contradictions like that are legitimate. These are contradictions if you try to put these two stories together. Uh, instead of walking on the shore, Jesus is teaching a crowd. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Instead of casting his net, Peter is cleaning it. Right, right, that's not the same. Then. And, they, and they don't leave, they actually get, they, they don't leave the boat, they get in it, and then they go fishing. And so, they recklessly conclude, based on all that, if God can't get his own story straight, how in the world can we defend it? You're right. If God can't get his story straight. So, we've got a couple options here. We can accept what the enemy says, right? Or we can blindly trust God's truth. Or we can ask, seek, and knock and find a rock-solid answer. Because, like all puzzles, they only contradict if you try to match the wrong pieces. That's something that we should have learned when we were four years old. You ever see that? Like, oh, make it work. Stop, kid. <laughs> That's no good. That's no good to anyone. It's not fun. But we can't help ourselves, apparently, in the Bible. So uh, the difference is those of us who trust the authority and the author, the authority of the author, and just make this simple effort to play, seek, and find with dad, when you do that, all those troubling inconsistencies will be replaced with insights. Buried treasure, hidden truth, and concealed stories. And they were always intended by the Father and superintended by His Spirit to be revealed. It's part of the plan and the purpose, the way that this thing works, because, hey, Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and hides it. You sure don't. 
No one lights a lamp and hides it. He puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Ah, you gotta come in. Knock, knock, knock. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Okay, that's what, we're talking about light here, right? Truth. Understand that this is how he deals with that. Therefore, consider carefully, not recklessly, how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, being you know, the contradiction-filled not truth, will be taken from him. Now this, this right here, this is part of my created purpose and my passion. I just, I, I love it. But not only to pursue on my own, but to help you, help you see and seek for yourself. And I tell you, as we keep going, we're going to keep finding that what has been labeled as error or contradiction is really just reckless listening. That's all it is. We're going to keep discovering that, and it's amazing, and it's faith-building, and it's fun, believe it or not. But it's tough a little bit, you know, because these guys, these guys on the other side, they're not dumb. They aren't. I really go on, I want to just throw them under the bus and say, what a bunch of idiots, I can't believe they can't see this. But honestly, they are, they're smart people who are just misguided, reckless. They're just reckless, which I guess is kind of dumb, right? So they're a little dumb. But it's like Paul said, guard what was committed to your trust, right? Avoiding the prof... That's our directive right there. Avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. And by professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. That's a stern warning, good stuff. Oh my goodness. Don't mishear this though. Blind faith isn't, is not trusting without examining. All right, that is not what we're asking. Just, you see it, that's good enough for me. I'm gonna just kinda keep walking. That is not what we're doing here. That is naive gullibility. Okay, that's not us, that's not what he's asking for. Because every religion, including Christianity, is filled with people who believe what they believe just because they believe it. And that's a pretty awful apologetic, honestly. If somebody asks for the reason that you have, you say, well, because I believe it. They're gonna say, okay, next, thank you. (laughs) Not working. Luckily, that's not us, right? That is not us. When it comes to his word and his claims, especially about his gospels here at his place, we are not about to let God off the hook. Amen? Amen. Amen. That is not something that we are about. And do you remember why? I'm going to tell you why. Because we do not give God grace ever. He gives us grace. He don't need it. And we don't have it to give. And to think that we need to help him out or look the other way in any way whatsoever is sin. That is not trusting. That is not building that faith. Blind faith believes that he's God and we're blind. That's how that works. That's where we're supposed to be. And Jesus was referring to this type of blindness when he said, the blind will see and those who say they see will be blinded. 
You see, only this awareness of our blindness can motivate an ongoing pursuit to see. That's what it takes. So, do you want to see? Ask yourself. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, it's in your hands. It's in your hands right now, just waiting to enter your heart. And any hypothesis that tries to explain why the Gospels can't be perfectly, flawlessly harmonized, whether it's the two-source, Ferrer, Griesbach, or Augustinian, is hogwash. And that's, that's my church word for that. All right? <laughs> My sailor mouth wife would call it something else. <laughs> Which it is. <laughs> That's as angry as I can get. Um, <laughs> but it is. It's hogwash, guys. Because they can. It is true. It is one story. It does work. It doesn't contradict. The Gospels were never, ever broken. And they don't need fixing. Because the Word of God ain't flawed in any way. So, act on the fact that he's God and we're blind. That's what we need to do. In the case of this mess of fish, right here, this one that we, that we got going on here, Mark is actually the key that allows us to see because he tells two stories that take place weeks apart. And everyone agrees, even Bart, that Mark describes two separate events. And the first aligns with Matthew, right, as we, as we saw. But the second, which includes Jesus teaching from a boat to avoid crushing crowds, aligns with Luke. This is the miraculous catch. It's a different, not the column. This is the catch where the boat almost goes down. There's two different, two different stories because Luke is telling a whole different story. Mark and Luke's fish story doesn't contradict Mark and Matthew's they're two separate events. I know. That's how I feel, Bart. They're two separate events, and they actually play off of each other. In the first story, Jesus promises to make them fishers of men. Now, I'm going to make you fishers of men, and I promised you one day coming up. And Peter happily left his empty nets. I, okay, let's, right? But in the second story, on his knees in a boatload of fish, Peter calls on Jesus or Peter calls Jesus Lord and confesses his sin. And Jesus says, from now on, from now on, you will catch men. Oh, we've arrived at the thing from the other story, right? I'm going to make you. From now on, you are. And just like that, us blind askers, seekers, and knockers can see. It's, it's that easy. You can see the stories, plural, without contradictions, without fudging, nudging, or grudging. It's, it's just that easy. It just took careful, loving listening, which is what we were called to do. But when you're doing that, you can't have the help of the nagging naysayers, Bart. That's no help at all. Peter said, we did not follow cunningly devised fables, fables, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And God said, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to who? 
you. And hear with whose? Your ears. That means you. Turns out all of the explanation or commentary that we need to see a perfect harmony is already in there. If, and this is a big if, this is the crux of what I'm saying here today, if you are willing to carefully listen and receive it into your heart. We can, we can trust God's word, but we must seek and ask and knock. It's built into the system. That's how it works. It's both a partnership and it's an ongoing battle. So, gotta ask you, are you ready to seek this week? Are you up to the task to ask? And are you ready to knock on that rock? Or are you just content to recklessly listen? Well, I think we need to pray about that. Father God, we love you. and We worship you. And we open our heart to you. So Holy Spirit, draw us ever deeper and ever closer and empower us in our blind eyes to see. And Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for being perfectly true to your word. Everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you. Thank you.